fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Vienna. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News and talk about heart attacks with my friend Vienna. Yeah, okay. <laughs> sure. You know. As spontaneous heart attack guns? Like, you know, is it something fun or just heart attacks? Well, you know what? You're, you're, you're actually kind of not far off with spontaneous heart attack guns. Oddly enough. <laughs> But we will get to of it. Of <laughs> The Cubans, it's another Havana syndrome, right? Uh, Havana heart, ac- heart attack syndrome? Yeah. How are you? How's life? I'm... You've been away for a while. Yeah, I'm doing all right. I feel like a little bit refreshed and alive again. Um, nice. Finland is a nice country. Um <laughs> It seems very livable. It was very sunny all the time. Um, that's yeah. That's my notes. <laughs> you went. You went into the Arctic Circle. You know. You yeah, yeah, yeah. Voyaged beyond. I ate some reindeer. Um, I heard my grandfather um, had a conspiracy theory that. Um, <sighs> So his explanation of the origins of the Finnish people are there were two tribes in what is now Vietnam. Okay. There was one tribe in now what is now Vietnam, but two leaders split the people over um, internal disagreements of some manner or another. And one half went to what is now modern Peru, uh, and the other half went to Finland. Uh, and the Peruvian ones were are indigenous people uh, who I guess, according to him, there are like 90 words that are the same in their language and in Finnish. So that means that they're the same people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I could so not find people. anything about this online. And he was like, oh, yes, um, there were I was talking to the to a man in Michigan about this as well. And he said it, he confirmed it. <laughs> so it's real. It's true. Another Finnish dude in Michigan believes it too. Why so. Vietnam for the origin place? Maybe it's like the midway point between <laughs> Peru and <laughs> Finland. I don't know. Oh my God. That is, that is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty great one. Like. Why not? Sure. <laughs> Uh, you know, I almost wish we could do an entire episode just on that. <laughs> Again, he said this, I was like, uh-huh, sure, Tuta. And then I went home, like, I went into my room, I opened my phone, I started Googling out anything about Finnish people in Peru. Nothing. Nothing. Well, this is a pure on-the-ground theory. No online traces. <laughs> Well, uh, sadly for our show, there are too many online traces for what we're going to get into. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we might as well get into it. We're back on, we are back on the COVID Jody, denial no. train. No? We're missing something. What are we missing? How are you? Oh, me, I'm fine. <laughs> Everything's, <laughs> you know what, I'm I'm really great just because the kids were gone for the, the weekend, so... Got to relax without kids. And then uh, we're going camping tomorrow. 
so I'm gonna we're gonna record this. I'm gonna edit it either tonight or tomorrow morning, and then I will be gone. So you will get this before I leave for camping, listeners. But uh, yeah, I will be in the woods while you're listening to it. So that'll be fun. But other than that, let's I guess let let's do it. Let's we gave them like a two and a half hour episode with Eric last week. So. Maybe it'll be shorter this week. I don't know. Let's find out. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. So this is the week of July 4th to July 8th. Happy America Day. Well... Speaking of which, Ezra begins the show on July 4th with reciting the Declaration of Independence, as you do <laughs> on a Canadian show. Uh, and most Nicolas of the. Nicolas Cage moments. Yeah, I mean, most of the episode's funny too because, like, they're the types of people that, like, the ultra nationalists who are, like, super, like, Canadian nationalists. But, like, Ezra. His essential argument here is that Canada is weak and too apologetic, and we need to be more like the Americans, especially when it comes to COVID denial. Uh, <laughs> because don't tread on me was, you know, supposed to be applying to, to health authorities that try to protect you from the spreading of a deadly disease. According to the founders of America, didn't you know? Ezra wants to be a semi-autonomous U.S. territory, or he wants Canada to be, you know, not quite the 51st state, but, like, still America, you know? I, you know what? I th He's never explicitly stated it, but I think you are correct. <laughs> and, like, I don't think Canada is far off from that already, but, you know, the the formalization of it would be Ezra's goal. Yeah, I think there's differences in our system of government that create sort of like differences, but differences in terms of our two countries. But culturally, we're we're, we're pretty close culturally, I think, for the most part. Yeah, we're semi-autonomous. Yeah. We're not fully <laughs> autonomous, but we got a little bit of it. Now, the reason why Ezra wants to frame the Independence Day episode in terms of vaccinations is because over the weekend, one of the... Uh, health ministers came out saying that we're going to need third or fourth boosters considering that the new strain uh, is coming and it seems to be evading a lot of the immunity people already have, thus making it so that people should get boosted. Uh, and, and, like, it's complicated, too, because if you've recently gotten boosted, there's a certain time frame or whatever. Uh, and so, like... Get boosted, but go figure out when you need to get it and all that fun stuff. And I'm sure there's resources out there that, uh, you know, maybe you shouldn't be getting your health advice directly from us or Ezra. <laughs> uh, but go get boosted. But, like, Ezra's freaking out about this because, of course, with boosting comes this fear that, like, lockdowns are in the future, right? So if the government's telling you to get boosted... uh that must come with like strings attached to it or it's like if you don't get boosted they're gonna deny you to get on an airplane or something you know no we just lifted that nope but it's coming back all of it's coming back 
I mean, th- this is like the theme of this week, but also the the week prior that we just did with uh, Eric, uh, is th- this fear that like COVID restrictions are coming back. And part of me, like, since I've had like a, a bit of time to stew on it since our last recording and, and this one, like, I don't, I don't think that our government would bring back restrictions as much as I think it would be necessary in some instances, but it is. I have noticed an increase in like chatter amongst like the you know the medical people on Twitter or even on the radio or the television. So like the buzz is coming back up that COVID, this new strain, is a bit worse than what we've had, and it could cause some like complications. And so you can tell that like this is sort of like triggering to Ezra. <laughs> Like where he can also sense that chatter and now thinks that the chatter, or at least this is what he's trying to sell to his audience, right? Is that this chatter is indicative of what happened before when we have lockdown. So he's fear mongering his audience now that like the chattering is happening. Therefore lockdowns are now inevitable. Yeah. Because doctors run the country. (laughs) Right. And even, yeah, I don't know. I honestly think that there's what's going to happen, and this is just my sad uh, foresight here, is that there is going to be a really bad strain. Maybe not this one that's coming, but a future one. And we, out of exhaustion or whatever, decide to let it wreak havoc and kill a bunch of people. And then there'll be people being like, well, why didn't the government do anything? And then they'll like, uh, you know, and the government didn't do anything because of the exhaustion and we're worried about public like blowback. And so it's like, we've sort of like, we're sort of painting ourselves in this corner, you know, <laughs> and it, yep. it's it's a very fucked up corner to be in, uh, especially if uh, there is a moment where this disease resurgence, uh, you know, requires a, a stronger resistance than what we're currently doing in society, which is absolutely nothing. So. Woohoo. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, you know. Ezra still needs to whip up his base, so, you know, keep him on edge, make them afraid, thinking that the next lockdowns are coming. So, this this first episode, the July 4th episode, we're going to go over a few things, going to go over a few clips. I didn't clip everything, because some of it is uh, shit we've already heard before, but I, I just wanted to go over some of the, again, he's back on the talking about COVID. So, some of these are going to seem old if you've been listening to us for a while, or they might seem new, maybe you haven't heard these conspiracies before, but... Ezra's going to go through his litany of COVID conspiracies again. So the very first thing that he wants to get out there is he talks about vaccines being one and done and suggests that that's how the norm is. So it's like uh, he specifically references the MMR vaccine and the polio vaccine as being one and done and that he got it once and he never had to do it again. And you had immunity for the rest of your life. And and he's always so like and no other he's like, that's how a vaccine is supposed to work. And because you have to take more than one COVID vaccine, therefore, that proves it's not a real vaccine or something. Even though the obvious example there is the flu shot that, <laughs> you know, we get once a year. But uh, he doesn't believe in the flu shot. Come on. He surprised. Well, I'm not surprisingly, but he's never talked about the flu shot on a show, uh, I think, yet since this whole pandemic. It's because they're not real vaccines, Jody. They're not even worth touching on. <laughs> the other thing is, and like, I didn't know this personally, but I looked into it. There are booster shots for polio. And even MMR, well, this one I did know, but MMR, you need to give two doses 
uh, to your children. So it's not a one and done, as he likes to say it. You need to give it at certain intervals such that it increases the immunity. So I, it's just amazing how, like, they, they say these things that sound good, but anyone who's had a fucking kid <laughs> knows that you give them more than one MMR vaccine. So it's like, you're just wrong on the face of it. One and done. It's like he he came up. He's one and done. One and done. Doesn't that sound cool? <laughs> that's how that's how it is. One and done. Doesn't he have kids? I I think so. Yeah. Or at least it he, also is just kind of a like how uninvolved of a father he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe like uh, I mean I've always uh, I've mentioned this on the show before that I I used to be involved in vaccine activism prior like way way ago and so like i could have been already primed as a parent when it came to vaccinating my children and like was paying more attention maybe than the average parent but at the same time like i feel like most parents like you're sticking something in the kid they might like get curious about why it's happening you know so yeah i don't know but either way one and done (laughs) he also claims that the vaccine was uh for the first variant of covid and since covid has evolved the vaccine doesn't work anymore and it is true that the vaccines are becoming less effective with the presence of new variants, but the vaccines are still targeting similar proteins within the virus. And so it still confers some immunity, even if it doesn't give you like the greatest immunity you could ever want. And this again ignores what we already know about the flu and the flu vaccine, which is that every year there are multiple flu variants. And so scientists make an educated guess about which strain will become the more dominant and then they mass produce the vaccine uh, for that one variant they think is going to be uh, dominant. But that doesn't mean that you're then protected against all strains of the flu. So even though you get the flu shot, you can still get one of these other strains. However, getting the flu shot for a different strain does confer some immunity or, or some lessening of the symptoms to the other strains that you may get. So it's like, even though... Yes, the first COVID vaccine was for the first variant. It confers some lessening of the symptoms for these other variants. For the most part, this new strain, we're, we're in a different ballpark. It could, you know, there's questions about how effective the vaccines are, etc. They're still somewhat effective, but like even less than before. So it's like, yeah, yes, you they're, they're going to have to catch up with it. But like he makes it out to seem like, no, because it was for the first variant. Once it did the first mutation, it was done. <laughs> you know, and it's like, that's not how viruses work. And that's not how vaccines work, you know, which I'm surprised he admits to evolution here. I, I... <laughs> God, <clears throat> I guess maybe for him, they're like viruses. So viruses can evolve, but like not. Are viruses dead or alive? Neither. They're, aren't they like in an in-between thing? I think that, like that's the, always the philosophical nugget. Are viruses alive? Are they dead? Yeah, that that is generally the like. But they they're replicate. Alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So many things are alive. I mean, that we're gonna get into the f- philosophy of death soon. So you know, we're, we're already touching the philosophy of life. What is death? That'll be. <laughs> there we go. See. So the other thing before we get into some of the clips is Ezra mentions this uh, a bunch of episodes ago we talked about it. It was like this Denmark study 
that showed like the argument that Ezra made based on the study was that vaccines uh, actually cause you to like have a decreased immunity once mm-hmm. the the vaccine is waned. So it's like you get the vaccine and you have a heightened immunity, but then over time your your uh, immunity wanes so much that you're actually increase the likelihood of you catching the virus <laughs> okay that's what and the study well, said well technically if you just read it at face value that is sort of what the study says but then like in their discussion section they said what's likely going on there is that the people who got vaccinated were more likely to go do like other activities that would bring them into contact with other people so that when the vaccine started to like decrease in effectiveness over time, since they got it, they were the ones more likely to be coming into contact with infected people and therefore showed an increased propensity to get the virus, even though it wasn't because they got vaccinated. It's that getting vaccinated was associated with other behaviors that led to them mm. getting infected. I don't know about that, Jody. Yeah. <laughs> I think if you get you get one vaccine, then boom, it's COVID time. Yeah. So, like, and I think the other funny thing about the Denmark study is that, like, not I think they're the only study that found that result. So again, it's like one of those things where you get one study and then you just you got your study and now Ezra's going to go with it, even though that study, I think it's almost like a year old now and he's still using it. You know what I mean? And it's also, you know, contextual to a country that did pretty explicitly let it rip, like. Denmark? I thought that was uh, yeah. Sweden. Oh, Sweden was worse, yeah. but Denmark did too. Like, basically yeah. all of the Scandinavian countries were just like, hmm, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for example, Finland, where I just came back from, uh, currently has its highest death rate since World War II. Jesus. Yeah. I... Oh my god! Yeah, well, we'll get it. We're getting right into the death numbers uh, in a second. So, <laughs> yeah, like, I can't. I can't fucking stand that. So, before we get to the death numbers, we're gonna talk about what Ezra thinks is the thing that's killing everybody, and that is what he considers to be an increased rate of heart attacks within young people. So, here's the clip, and then we will discuss the accuracy when we're done. <laughs> The government collects reports of vaccine injuries, but it's a voluntary system, and there is enormous pressure not to report an illness as vaccine caused. It's absurd to see headlines in the news explaining all the newfangled explanations for why young people, young healthy males in particular, keep getting heart attacks or why Justin Bieber got his face paralyzed. Look at this one. Watching TV. Gardening. An unhealthy childhood. Wearing socks. And my favorite, solar storms. Yeah, that's why people are getting heart attacks now. It's my favorite one, solar storms. So you were talking about heart attack guns, but it was solar storms. (laughs) It was solar flares causing heart attacks. The sun itself is a heart attack gun. Yeah. (laughs) So... Well, <laughs> where do you even start with this fucking clip? Okay. 
First, I'll address Ezra says there are, is enormous pressure to not say these reports are vaccine cause. And the obvious thing is that the report, it's a reporting database. So scientists aren't just going to take the reports and then go, therefore, this was caused by the vaccine. They have to investigate it, which is also part of the process. And they do have numbers on the investigations. And Ezra never brings them up. So uh, we will get to that in a second. But this idea that there's some sort of like pressure, the, all this information is publicly available, which is why he has it. So like, I don't know what the... I don't know what the pressure is other than they're being scientifically rigorous by saying just because you said something happened after a vaccine doesn't mean the vaccine caused it. Just like, you know, uh, I ate at uh, <laughs> I ate at Mr. Sub the last time I got vaccinated. Was that caused by the vaccine? <laughs> the sun, I don't know. The sun is threatening the scientists trying to play <laughs> up its own powers. Is trying to say I have a heart attack gun. You better say that and not that it's the vaccines. It the sun is to blame for a lot of things. Global yeah. warming? It's not us. Fucking sun. Get out of here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the sun trying to clout chase again. <laughs> They're stealing it. They're stealing our glory. Yeah. <laughs> we did that. This is this is the second time that he mentioned the Justin Bieber thing within like the last few weeks. And the Justin Bieber thing, he keeps on wanting to make it out to be a vaccine caused thing when we know he's spoken out about what it is. It was this thing called uh Ramsey Hunt syndrome, and we know what causes Ramsey Hunt syndrome. It's not vaccination. It's previous chickenpox infection. Uh, it's very similar to how shingles works, where like you get shingles later later in life if you've had like a previous chickenpox infection, and so what happened to Justin Bieber was a flare up of a prior chickenpox infection, which I I must say, there's a vaccine for that now, so <laughs> there is a way to prevent Ramsey Hunt syndrome. Get vaccinated for chickenpox, but it's it's not at all caused i mean like there there are some people who have uh claimed to have a side effect of facial paralysis after a vaccination but that's usually immediately after a vaccination and there's absolutely no evidence that uh again they know what caused beaver's thing they've been pretty open about it so there you go wow but he no, still honestly, wants to use it i didn't even know that this had happened to Justin Bieber, so <laughs> you were in Finland. This is just like a whole, <laughs> yeah. This is a whole thing I missed. Like, yeah, he he made a TikTok where his face was all messed up, and he had to cancel a few tours, and people talked about it. So the only reason Ezra's bringing it up is because it was like big news, right? So now he's he's like, look, oh, what happened to Bieber? I should say too, like this happened in my own family as well. Like, uh, my grandmother passed away recently of a brain tumor. Uh, well, several brain tumors that just like grew, grew, grew uh, rapidly. And, uh, you know, in terms of like her being diagnosed with it and her dying, it was really quick. And we had a relative who was just like, oh, it's because of the vaccines. That <laughs> and it's like, meanwhile, you know, my grandma was a lifetime smoker. Like, there's. <laughs> And it, like I'm laughing about it. Like I love my grandma. She knew she knew cancer was coming, and like even like before this, like uh, in yeah. part because she was a lifetime smoker. Like she wasn't unaware of that fact. And so it's like, uh, 
if you were to blame anything on the, like the tumors, for for one, the tumors were probably there predating the vaccine. They just didn't know about it, right? Uh, if they had to wait till the tumors got to a certain size before there was an issue, right? But like, it's amazing that because all the like everyone's awareness is heightened about the vaccine and side effects, and uh, 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 that like they're just going to associate every medical condition that comes up on the thing, uh, and uh, and it's depressing too. It's like. <sighs> Because all it does is going to, like, fearmonger people away from, like, other things. But it's like, no, it's like other metal c medical conditions have not just gone away, you know? <laughs> They're not all caused by the vaccine now. I wonder how, like, long COVID will play into this, too. In terms of, like, you know, how, how much the anti-vax crowd are going to latch onto that and say, like, see, the vaccine did this when it's, like, It's post-COVID, like, you know, it's... You're going to have, like, the opposite, too, where you're going to have governments denying it because they're going to be vague symptoms and hard to pin down, and it's like, is this is this actually caused by long COVID or caused by something else? And for individual cases, it's going to be hard to tell, but, like, systematically, you can find... Like, it's, it's just going to be a whole mess. Oh, yeah. No, and, like, we're in austerity times, right? Like, yep. any excuse to cut down on people getting access to healthcare or disability care or whatever else they're gonna jump on that yep <sighs> no Yay. it's, it's uh, a yeah we've just and, and it's especially with the long covid stuff because it's 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 like everyone freaks out about like the current economic effect but think about like the economic effect when you have people suffering from like a long-term illness who are now going to need like help for their chronic disorders into the future uh and what kind of like quote-unquote economic damage that'll do as opposed to just like i don't know masking and being courteous to people in the meantime <laughs> like, like in the present mm -hmm. it's frustrating so now we get to the heart attack thing okay this this is the other part where it's like what is he going on about okay the first thing i should just say is that he he wants to frame this in terms of heart attacks in the young and the first thing to say is that heart attacks in the young have been increasing long before COVID or COVID vaccines. Uh, so I think the the latest, last estimates were back in like 2016, and they found that there was a 2% increase for those under 40 between 2000 to 2016. So it's been growing since 2000. And this largely has to do with, you know, the rise of like, computers and television and the sort of like sedentary uh sedentary lifestyle that that's been happening as well as poor diets etc so we we generally have a good grasp on what causes heart attacks and you know people who are sitting at an office chair all day and then eating burgers and i'm not shaming here it's just like in fact it's like if that's how you want to do it and go out on it like all the power to you <laughs> It's just like, we know what's generally causing this increase, okay? Yeah. And it happened prior to the vaccines. <laughs> but he wants to somehow connect it to uh, the vaccines. And so he goes on the, he comes up with the, you can all, already sort of hear it in how he framed it. Because he, he almost said that like there's this conspiracy now where all these people are like, purposefully reporting on other causes to sort of like throw off the scent from the vaccine like that's kind of like how he framed it 
Yeah. Which is which is already kind of weird. And then he lists a bunch of stuff. And at first, like, listen, I was just like, socks? What the fuck is he talking about? So I hunted down, because uh, he this usually what he does is he sometimes takes these opening monologues and takes a small clip of it and then posts the video version on YouTube. So I went to YouTube and then we realized this is shit he can't post on YouTube because it's COVID denial. <laughs> so then I was like, okay, I'll check out Rumble. And thankfully, they posted a clip on Rumble. And what it was, he was showing articles written for like uh, The Sun in the UK or like some Australian uh, internet aggregator news website and just with all these things. And so when he said... Uh, for example, like gardening, and there was this article that popped up. The article was not that like gardening causes heart attacks, because actually most evidence suggests that gardening decreases heart attack risk by the physical exercise and being outside and, you know, all that fun stuff. But what it was arguing was it was some place in Germany that had to do with soil pollutants. So the working in the garden was kicking up the soil pollutants and therefore possibly could lead to an increase in a heart attack risk okay you're saying <laughs> the country that like has to shut down cities every like 30 hours because they found a bomb from world war ii that's still sitting there unexploded might have pollutants in the soil <laughs> My the best part of this though is this is evidence that they're bringing this up now to throw off the scent of the vaccines. A story that no one's have you heard of this story? <laughs> it's really successfully thrown off the set, you know. The socks thing was even more ridiculous. So, like for, for one, okay, we'll get to the the uh, what did he see? He said television. I mean that one's obvious. Yeah, sedentary lifestyle. Like we've already known that. Uh, the other one was like unhealthy behaviors as a kid. So like you know, overeating, stuff like this. Like, yeah, we know that those are already linked. So it's like, it's weird that he uses those as like things that are throwing off the scent from the vaccine when it's like, no, those are things that are generally causing the increase in heart attacks. And then, so then the socks thing, when I initially started looking into it, I was ex like, I kept on getting these things about how like sometimes your socks uh, around your ankles will leave lines because they're constricting, right? And yeah. there was all these articles about how, like, the socks restricting your thing. You can use what the lines look like somewhat to predict whether or not you you would be a candidate for a future heart attack. Something about how the skin gets shaped or whatever. Now, I didn't spend too much time to look into if this is accurate or not. If it's accurate, you know, sure, why not? But this... I thought this can't be what he's talking about on the thing. So when I look and he's showing the articles, that's what he's showing. And it's like, so socks aren't causing heart attacks then, you fucking idiot. <laughs> the, socks, the socks are used as an indicator for possible future heart attacks. <laughs> socks are ha causing heart attacks. <laughs> I, I, oh my god. So solar flares all right now there was a study that was done and what the study did was it looked at periods where there was an increase in solar activity and saw periods of uh, or and then measured population cardiovascular health now 
to be honest, I, I was reading parts of the study. I don't know why they thought the two were related. And, uh, you know, maybe if I spent a little bit more time and had a little bit more knowledge of anatomy or what they were trying to say, I could, like, give you some answer. But I was like, all right, some, some people had some grant money and were like, let's figure it out. Solar flares and heart attacks. And they claim that there was an increase. Like, when, when solar flares happen, there's more heart attacks. <laughs> okay? Now, it doesn't say why. We don't know, but there is an association, okay? Now, this study was done in 2019. So again, prior, <laughs> prior to COVID vaccines. But there was a recent article published in The New Scientist that talked about it. So I guess, you know, that's it. That's the, uh, the, the World Economic Forum Global Conspiracy purposely published this article in The New Scientist to throw off the scent that children are dying of heart attacks. See, the thing is, Jody, that article came out... What What is the suffix on COVID again? What are those numbers? 19. Mm-hmm. Fair. No, you're not wrong. And you know, considering that the World Economic Forum teamed up with Xi Jinping to create <laughs> COVID, they had time to plant this article in advance. God damn. Yeah. Right Gotta get the in Wuhan their mind, games. Jody. <laughs> it's uh it's ridiculous. I, that's all I have to say. It is super ridiculous. But uh this is this is what he's got. All the all the kids are dying of heart attacks now. Solar solar flared heart <laughs> or they're covering up the vaccine heart attacks with claiming it's from solar flares. <laughs> Oh my god! It's true. So then, you know, we're done. We're done with the like direct evidence of this like weird conspiracy. And then Ezra wants to claim that people are dying from the vaccines, and that COVID deaths are in fact inflated. So a lot of this is old talking points, but it's uh, worth just hearing it straight from Ezra himself. In Canada, three hundred and forty-five deaths reported from the jab. Over 9,600 serious injuries, like heart attacks. Now, stop right there. And again, these are just things that are being reported that doctors haven't written off as other things. So the total number of deaths ascribed to COVID in Canada since the beginning is 42,000. Now, I'm a skeptic of that number because anyone who dies within 30 days of a test positive for COVID was typically counted. I think I showed you that absurd case in another country. Someone fell off a ladder and died. But because they were positive for COVID, they counted it that way. So they were pumping up the numbers. In fact, a lot of the numbers have been revised down. And as you may remember, there was a miracle in 2021. Literally no one got the flu. It just didn't happen. I remember in Alberta, it's flu-free. Oh, really? Here's the Toronto Star. They're just amazed. And do you think there really were no flu cases last year? Or do you think, oh, it's just possible that maybe those flu cases were called COVID cases, misdiagnosed or treated or, you know, for whatever reason, one respiratory disease, another respiratory disease, that some flu deaths, I mean, typically six, seven, eight thousand people die a year from flu in Canada, that they were counted as COVID just to keep the hysteria going, to keep the funding going. It's all, it's all just flu this whole time. That's why we should do absolutely nothing. <laughs> ah. 
So uh, old, <laughs> old talking points, but we will we'll yeah. go through some of it because because why not? The funny thing is, it's actually it's actually worse than he was saying because the updated numbers have it that three hundred and fifty five people have been reported dead after the vaccine, not three hundred and forty five. Okay, so it's oh. it's more, uh, and that's possibly because he was looking at older data. But anyways, I went to the Canadian uh, government's website where they document the vaccine reporting information. And this is what the website had to say, all right? It says, up to and including June 24, 2022, a total of 355 reports with an outcome of death were reported following vaccination. Although these deaths occurred after being vaccinated with a COVID-19 vaccine, they are not necessarily related to the vaccine. Based on the medical case review, uh, and then they use they talk about some sort of assessment category, it has been determined that 195 reports of death could not be assessed due to insufficient information. So 195 people, maybe, who knows, don't have enough information. 110 reports of death are unlikely linked to vaccines. So already they've ruled out that 110 likely had nothing to do with the vaccine. And Mm -hmm. 50 are still under investigation. So at best, Ezra gets like maybe close to 250. (laughs) Not the... (laughs) And even then, 195 of that 250... And then 50 of that 250 is still under investigation. So, <laughs> Did they really revise the actual COVID deaths down, though? No. Okay, yeah, I didn't think so. I feel like that would have been pretty big news. No. In fact, they've added numbers occasionally uh, as yeah. more information has come in. I mean, let's be clear. Even the heart attack, or not the, the heart attack, the, uh, the latter death, this is like an old talking, like he's been using this talking point since the beginning of the pandemic. I think it was April 2020 when he first used it on this show. And that case is so ridiculous because it actually was a COVID death. Now he, like, it yeah. sounds silly. It's easy to sell it because you go, oh, dude fell off ladder. He died, tested positive for COVID. They blame COVID on the ladder death. The guy had his lungs so full of like shit that when he fell off the ladder, it dislodged the mucus and killed him. So if he just fell off the ladder and didn't have COVID, he wouldn't have died. He died because he had COVID. Which is like, if you want to get like, te- like what is what is dying from COVID? What, what does that really mean? And it's like, Sure, like, we could have those discussions. Let the medical body just, like, have those discussions all you want. But, like, he had COVID. It was part of the reason why he died. He died from COVID. (laughs) Yeah. Doesn't seem that confusing to me. But, Jody, if he hadn't fell off that ladder, he would have been hospitalized soon after with COVID. So, can't really blame COVID for that one. Gotta blame the ladder. You'll notice that, like... For one, this is the tactic of d- disease deniers everywhere. So AIDS denialists do this too, where they'll be like, people don't die from AIDS, they die from like flu, right? But that's because your immune system has been like destroyed by AIDS such that you have the flu kill you, right? If you had the flu, but you didn't have AIDS, you would have lived. 
But then they go, but like, it's not the AIDS that kill you, so AIDS perfectly fine, and everyone's just fear-mongering about it, and blah, 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 because they deny the disease. And it's not just, like, disease. They do this with, like, any death that they want to get around, right? Like, what George Floyd died of fentanyl in the system, and it's like, okay, he had fentanyl in his system, but he would have lived if not for the knee on his neck, you know? Abe Shinzo died of a bad diet. Yeah. No, died of religious affiliation, you know? (laughs) Yes, exactly. You know, because it wasn't, you know. He died of corruption. The guy might have shot him. (laughs) It's it's just so frustrating. Like, yeah, you could do this with anything. There's multiple. Yes, in the world, there are multiple causes. Many things are happening to people all at once, (laughs) which gives them plenty of opportunities to just like, Choose the things they want to be the cause and exclude the things they don't want to be the cause. And that's stupid. No one does that. Only if you're being a propagandist who wants to manipulate people will you start to do this. So, I mean, uh, shocking that I think Ezra's a propagandist. (laughs) Uh, The heart attack stuff is interesting. though. So he goes, he said over 9,600 people were seriously injured like having a heart attack. That was how he phrased it in the clip we just listened to. Now, the number, according to the database, is up to now 9,878 reports of serious injury. However, out of that like large number, uh, 5,169 were listed as what's called special interest. And the reason why this category is called special interest is because they are things that have been shown to be linked to the vaccine, but also linked to COVID infection. And that would include things like heart attack. So because of, you know, the AstraZeneca and the uh, myocarditis and stuff like this, they're taking things like heart attack and cardiac infarctions, fractions, I can't remember what they're called. Uh, They're taking these things and calling them their own category, special interest, because there has been some association already disclosed with the vaccine, okay? Now, that still doesn't mean that an individual person's serious event that is, like, as we said, these are things that have already been shown in association with the vaccine. It doesn't mean that it was caused by the vaccine because, you know, people had have heart attacks for all kinds of reasons. Sometimes because they got a vaccine, sometimes not. Okay? Nope. <laughs> Nobody has ever died before. But here's the thing. Here's how many, here's how many heart attacks, Okay have been associated with vaccination in Canada, or at least reported, 124. So everybody in Canada has died this year, right? So there's only 124 people in Canada. (laughs) Only 124 people who have died this year in Canada. But they don't... Having a heart attack doesn't mean you die, so... (laughs) So some of those people could have lived. It wouldn't have been fun. They could have, but (laughs) Trudeau made sure they didn't. (laughs) Think about this. So here's the, you know, what did because even Ezra, this this was the other thing that's interesting about this clip. This was the first time that Ezra actually acknowledged that 42,000 people had died from COVID. Okay. There's only been 4 million confirmed cases of COVID. And usually the people who died become one of those confirmed cases. So you could say with a somehow 4 million confirmed cases, 42,000 people have died. 
There has been 85,950,064 doses of vaccine, but only 124 heart attacks. All right? (laughs) (laughs) Seems to me like it is a very, or and I should say, reported to this database, heart attacks. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're actually caused by the vaccine or that we have proven a cause of any kind so yeah not something to worry about in my opinion (laughs) i think we take greater risks getting into our car and driving way more likely to die or have serious injuries in my humble opinion when you say had a heart attack after a vaccine, too. In your head, Vienna, how long after the vaccine do you think these reports are coming? Any and all amounts of time. I mean, you're right. I think most people, though, assume that this means, like, you got a vaccine, and then within a week or two, you you had the thing happen. But Vaccine enters arm. Heart enters attack. <laughs> I mean, that that can happen. However, the reports in the database, and I only found the information for myocarditis for some reason, but they accepted reports everywhere from a minute after vaccination up until 212 days after vaccination. So what is more likely, that a vaccine you had 212 days ago caused your myocarditis or other things that happened in the intervening time? That's almost a year after the vaccine. (laughs) It is kind of crazy that it's been more than a year since our first vaccine doses. Yep. And we're all dead now. We've all died. This is purgatory. This is hell. I mean, but this is like the other thing with the special interest thing, right? Like the reason why they said vaccine and COVID is because, yeah, COVID also causes a lot of the symptoms. Or or side effects that people are reporting. So it's like, how do you know that it was caused by the vaccine when it could have just been a prior COVID infection that is actually the cause of it, right? And that's why they do the investigations and why some of these things is it's it's hard to disentangle, which is why I think what it, it was 195 cases were still, uh, you know, there was insufficient evidence to determine what the death was because it's like, it could have been COVID. Get vaccinated. <laughs> That's all I've got to say. Jesus Christ. I guess the, the last thing, the flu thing, okay? Imagine thinking that somehow medical people who all they do all day is study things like the flu. Just like, you know, a, a disease that has a different symptomology than COVID. A disease which has a different test that you could use to determine whether you have the flu or not. And yet somehow they mistook for all the 42,000 people who died of COVID were, were like, whoops, <laughs> they were really flu. I think it was something like usually like maybe 5,000 people a year die in Canada due to the flu. Yeah. So why did we have like an extra 35,000 people die? Yeah, no, that was what I was thinking is like, oh, 
you know, he said like six or 7,000 or whatever. And it's like, yeah, okay. So that's still 35,000 people who died. From what? Of, yeah. It's, well, unless he's going to say that they're all the people who like fell off ladders. Or... <laughs> it's a really bad year for accidents. <laughs> it's, it's just so fucking stupid. And then, whatever he's saying about, like, there was zero, there was literally, literally no flu in Alberta in 2021. And then I was like, literally, Ezra? Literally no flu in 2021 in Alberta? There was, in fact, uh, 2,821 confirmed cases of flu in Alberta in the year 2021. I I just, you know, of course it's never going to end. And, like, these are talking points that he's... And, and this is the other frustrating thing. Is these are talking points that he's been doing now for two years. Two years. And his audience is just going to, like, you know, eat it up as they do. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, getting to what we were talking about earlier about the lack of our government doing anything. And then having Ezra continuing to fearmonger both about vaccines and the accuracy of any information that's i mean uh, that's the other thing is him putting conspiracies on the information and it's like and yet you trust the information they're giving you about the reporting database when it comes to like heart attacks and death and all that we can trust the government giving us those numbers but when it comes to the actual counting of the covid deaths no fuck it can't trust that information even though it's coming from the same fucking source (laughs) (sighs) You seem like you have something to say, but you're just like, all you're going to do is scream into the void, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that's all I got. I don't have anything to say. I just have sighs and yeah, sadness. But yes, uh, mandates are coming back and Amer- we should be more like Americans who say no. And uh, that's how he ends this segment. And, uh, yeah, it's frustrating that we're back to this. Uh, hopefully it was just a one-time thing, but I, I get a feeling that he's going to be doing another COVID kick as he fear-mongers that it's coming back in the fall. So, And we'll see. We'll see if he's right. You know, there's a weird way in which I hope he is right <laughs> and that we do start to, sh- like, have more restrictions come the fall. I just don't think he's going to be right. Yeah. Like, all the governments have said, ah, oh, we're not going to do anything this summer. Yeah. It's too what it's too nice out. Yeah. I mean not in the summer, but if if I mean he claims the lockdowns are coming in the fall. So yeah, we yeah. got some time. We'll see. I mean you know, I wouldn't mind if classes went online. I don't really want to have to go to in person university. Yep. Please. I wish people masked, like, going out in the public this weekend while the kids were gone and just, like, no one's wearing masks anymore. It's like, great. Great. I'm glad everyone thinks this is over. Yep. Now, he ends the show with talking about July 1st. So I guess some of their democracy fund lawyers were on the scene for Canada Day. And, you know, police were mean to some people who had signs. And I don't care. So we're not going to talk about it. July 5th, we're now on to the Tuesday, and Ezra is mad at an app called ArriveCan. Oh, and don't get me started on this shit. 
granted, like, I'm sure there's tons of problems with this thing, but this is what Ezra's problem with it is. Ezra thinks that it's a way for Trudeau to spy on you, which was part of a plan designed by Yuval Noah Harari, and we should all start using crypto. Yep. That was exactly what I was going to say, too. It's in the terms and conditions. It says, Harari made us do this and um, invest in Dogecoin or whatever. So is, right, because did you have to use this thing when returning from Finland then? Yeah. And what does it do? Um, so because Canada requires uh, proof of vaccination and whatever up for like returning travelers, um, you basically have to show it like as part of like boarding the plane. But the thing is like, at least in my case, which was in Germany, um, it wasn't Canadians doing it. It was the people, like it was German employees of the airport, and the government had not sent them accurate information on how oh, the okay. app works, had not like done anything. Um, and then also like there's the difficulty of like one, you have to have access to a phone, you have to like know that this is a requirement, you have to like have this all planned and uploaded in advance. Um, there was an Eritrean couple ahead of me who didn't speak English and you know all of their stuff was I think in Arabic um, and you know so they had their passport they had their proof, proofs of vac vaccination physically same with me and it didn't work the app didn't work for me either um, because the thing that the German lady had didn't have the letters that my app on the phone did even though that was a and then like their website doesn't explain yeah, yeah how it works either um like which is a government of canada website it's just a mess yeah no like so those seem like more like just practical problems with this thing not like a world economic forum plan to spy on you while you sleep i mean at the same time like you do have to upload your like flight plans and your um like True. if you're going to any other countries where you're staying yada 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 like so there is a little bit of a, like, hey, you have to report all this shit to the government. Yeah, yeah. And the government has not been... Great. <laughs> great with data privacy of late, um, uh, considering, like, the COVID app as well, like, the yeah. the case tracking one, where, like, it they came out with it, and they were like, yeah, see, it's been checked over by security experts, and it's fine, and it's not leaking your data, and then two months later, it's like, it's really leaking your data. I'm sorry, guys. It's really <laughs> leaking your data. Yeah, I mean, like, I assumed that there was going to be privacy issues and stuff like this. It's just, like, yeah. amazing how there's, like, a real issue here that you could talk about. And he wants to talk about it in terms of it being a Yuval Noah Harari conspiracy theory. And it's like, great. Thanks, Ezra. Way I to really just wonder. miss the whole fucking mark. <laughs> How do you connect it to crypto also? No, it's just that because crypto's off the grid. So it's like we all have to go to crypto now because they're tracking us through everything. And like he ends this whole thing. It's like not only so they're tracking you through everything. It's like think think tomorrow wasn't even safe. They tracked her merely because of a photo, you know? <laughs> Tamara Leach got tracked due to a photo. And you're just gonna let the government 
tell you where you're flying? <laughs> or tell the government where you're flying? You're going to let them know? I'm like half convinced that crypto is like an op just because it's like, oh, <laughs> we should all use crypto, this thing that is tied to your real name and exists forever with a list of all the transactions you've done. But it's private and secret yeah, or it's, whatever it's, bullshit. Use cash, dude. Like, and not only that, it's perfectly designed. Like, it's supposed to be designed to track you. Yeah. Because, like, it has to link you specifically to your wallet. And, and like, that, like, and then be permanent <laughs> for it to yeah. work. So it's, like, it can't be private. Unless, like, no one knows that the wallet is associated with you. But, like, as soon as you go to use it, they're going to figure it out. So it's just so stupid. But if you want to cash out into anything that is tangible in real yeah. life, then it's attached out. to you. Yeah. yeah. No, and, it, like, it's this thing with, like, you know, how people are getting arrested for the, like, acid purchases or whatever else they made, it like, 10, 15 years ago when Bitcoin was very early on. Because now it's attached to their real lives and their real wallets and whatever else. Like... Even when it was, you know, semi-anonymous, it is no longer anonymous. Yeah. I wonder what, like, the weapons dealers who are using it back then are doing. <laughs> I wonder how they are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe that's how they got to McAfee. <laughs> uh, okay, so <laughs> we're going to get to the interview segment. And... Uh, I'm just going to play how Ezra introduces this segment, all right? So we're just going to get Ezra's own introduction for how this interview is going to go. Hey, I want to let you know something. A few weeks ago, I was at a crime scene, and I was a witness to a crime. I'm not exaggerating. So Ezra was, in fact, a witness to a crime. <laughs> and the crime was Tamara Litch violating her... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I really want Ezra to get mugged someday. <laughs> I can't wait for that day when he comes on the pod. Like, oh my god! Oh yeah, no, we would never hear the end of it. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ! But yes, he the the re majority of the rest of the week is all him and Tamara Leach. And uh, just to fill people in, in case you didn't listen to our last episode. Tamara, part of her bail conditions was that she was not allowed to speak to 10 individuals without the presence of a lawyer. One of those 10 individuals was a man named Tom uh, uh, Mazzaro. Yeah, Mazzaro. So, so Tom Mazzaro and Tamara were then invited to a Justice Center for, Constitu <laughs> Justice, Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom gala ceremony where they were giving tamara an award and so the jccf people are all of their lawyers and so their argument is that all of our lawyers were present so therefore we could be at this award ceremony and a photo then circulated of tamara standing next to tom without any visible sign of the lawyers being present However, there was more information, and we'll get to it in a sec. Well, I, I should just tell it now. There was video evidence of Tamara and Tom sitting at a table with Tamara whispering it to Tom's ear. So, you know, no lawyers are present for that whispering, 
they're violating their bail. <laughs> well, she's at least violating her bail conditions, okay? Now, notice we're going we're gonna to hear from Ezra first as he's introducing the guest. And the guest is Sheila Gunn-Reed. Because Sheila Gunn-Reed, the day that this episode we're talking about is the day that was the all-day trial of her relitigating whether she violated her bail or not to the justice of the peace. So Sheila was supposed to be there all day watching the coverage. And it was an all-day affair, and now they're talking after it's done. And so Ezra's going to do a bit of a preamble. We'll talk after that, and then we're going to get sort of like Sheila's discussion of what happened during the day and see if at all they accurately frame what's going on here. So this this clip, it's a bit long, but I think it's worth just uh, now that I've described everything, hearing how Ezra tries to paint what I just described. <laughs> okay. It was the annual Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom Gala Dinner for Freedom. It's named after the late columnist George Jonas, who really wrote about freedom a lot. And I've loved going to these things. I love the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. They do civil liberties work. Um, just outstanding. John Carpe's their boss. He's been on our show a dozen times. Um, I like going to show support for them. And I was excited that um, Tamara Leach, the trucker grandma organizer lady, was there as the recipient of the Freedom Award. And she's also a client of the Justice Center. I had actually never met Tamara Leach before, so I posed with her for a selfie that I use as my little, uh, you know, avatar, as it's called on social media. Uh, other people, and I want to tell you, it was very busy, and I'm almost to my point here. Rex Murphy spoke. It was very exciting. And it was a thrill to be in a room with, I don't know, four or 500 freedom-loving people to celebrate freedom instead of all the heckling and the nagging we get from authoritarians. But my point is, I saw Tamara Leach. She was the honoree of the night. And she was just beset by well-wishers posing for a photo or, or a selfie, although it wasn't really a selfie because others took, others took the photo. Now, you know what that's like, right? If you've been to any public event where there's sort of a star, people say, can I get a photo? Yes, they pose. They take everyone sort of freezes their mouth. They're not talking during the photo, right? That's an important point. They're not talking. They maybe say cheese, but they're not talking. Or they just smile and they're ready, click. So that's what it was like for Tamara Leach pretty much the whole night where she wasn't eating at her table or giving her uh, awards or reception speech on the stage. I know that because I was there. I know that because I sat two tables away from her. And I know that because I personally asked for a selfie with her, and I got it. Now, I tell you all this, not to brag that I met Tamara Leach, although there's a tiny bit of that there. But what I've just described, the fact that she took a selfie with another trucker organizer named Tom Marazzo, was the thin pretext for the Ottawa police to order a national warrant out for Tamara Leach's arrest. I'm serious. The kind of thing that normally you do if there was a, a murderer on the loose or an escape... escape prisoner and police waited though they waited they knew she took this photo on june 16th it was posted almost immediately but they waited 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 and then they put out the warrant and had her arrested just before the july 1st weekend when there was another freedom convoy in ottawa and it has been nine days since she was imprisoned on the crime of taking a selfie and she had a bail hearing on that today in Ottawa. 
And our chief reporter and friend, Sheila Gunn-Reed, covered the hearing by video link. She joins us now to talk about it. So we'll get to the Sheila thing in a second, but, uh, you know, they, I, she just took selfies the whole time. It didn't talk to anybody, you know, <laughs> there, was, there was no talking. He's a witness. Okay. No talking. She just sat alone at her dinner table, just ate food. And then immediately was just like, take a picture, snap, cheese, snap, cheese. Didn't talk to no, her. She didn't, say, she didn't say cheese because that. That would have been talking. Nobody said she did, but that's not communicating. That's just saying cheese. Mm, cheese is okay. It is a... <laughs> that was not said to anybody. That was just a general comment yes. thrown. It would into be like existence. saying "uh" or "yikes." <laughs> ah. Uh, it's just amazing to me because even there, it's like information is available to him that is going to be publicly available why is he avoiding that information like what is what is to be gained by the way that he's framing this uh, other than like obviously the the key takeaway is he's trying to make her seem like a martyr figure who's been wrongfully convicted but there's evidence that exists <laughs> that if you just take 2 seconds you can find the information it is there so why lie about something so obvious the other thing, too, is, like, Sheila was there. You know, it's not, you know, Ezra might not have followed the entire case. He might not know all the nitty-gritty details. Sheila was present. She would have heard the judge say, or, you know, the prosecutor or whoever, like, give the evidence and all that. Yep. Does she correct Ezra at all? Uh, let's find out. <laughs> Sheila, great to see you. I know you spent the whole day covering this bail hearing. Bail hearings, I can assure you, are not usually an all-day affair. Tell me how it was. Well, you know, I think you covered a lot of the nuts and bolts of why this is happening. Um, Tamara Leach was arrested nine days ago for breach of a non-communication condition of her release conditions from earlier, so way back in March, for taking that picture with an, a fellow convoy organizer, Tom Morazzo. But she never actually really communicated with Tom Morazzo, and that's what's prohibited in her bail conditions. Um, she just took a photo with him, and one of the stipulations of her bail conditions are that if she is in and around other convoy organizers, communicating with them that it happens in the presence of her lawyers. Well, guess who her lawyers are? Mm -hmm. The Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. The room was teeming with Tamara's lawyers. Mm -hmm. And it was very interesting today because the homicide detective assigned to Tamara's case, a 22-year veteran of the force in Ottawa, Chris Benson, um, if you are murdered in Ottawa, I can't imagine that your case will ever be solved because this guy didn't know who John Carpe was. He had no idea. He was asked on the stand, who's that guy? I don't know who he is. It was John Carpe, the head of the Justice Center. Then he was asked, who is John Carpe? I don't know who that is. Um, so he, this police detective, he said, Tamara took a photo with this man 
And this photo constitutes a breach of her conditions, but he didn't know who her lawyers were at all. He had no idea. So how can he breach her on a condition that says you can be with this guy if you're in the presence of your lawyer when he had no idea who her lawyer was? Worse still, they extended this Canada-wide, nationwide warrant to pick her up on a non-communication breach, something Detective Benson testified that he had never done before. But it sounds like they sent two detectives, a supervisor, and another cop all the way from Ottawa out to Alberta to Medicine Hat to grab Tamara. They're treating her like she is public enemy number one instead of a cute little Métis grandma who embarrassed Justin Trudeau on an international scale. And that's really her crime here. Sheila, who apparently <sighs> listened to this court case for the entire day, somehow missed the fact that there was video evidence of Tamara whispering to, to Tom at the same table, because they were seated at the same table at this award gala, okay? <laughs> and there's video of her whispering in his ear. Lawyer's not present. And for one, they can't be present because they're whispering, unless the lawyer is right there with the ear <laughs> to the communication. The lawyer is not present for that communication. <sighs> like, why, why would you do this to your audience? Not only, like, I love this too. Because the, the, here's the thing is, the JCCF lawyers in the bail hearing, of course, are going to have to talk about this because it really did happen, unlike what the rebel is framing here. And their defense was not that there was no communication, which seems to be uh, the argument that Sheila and Ezra are both making here. They defended uh, uh, Tamara by saying that the communication was just like frivolities or like didn't matter and therefore it's acceptable kind of thing. They were just like mm -hmm. pleasantries at an, like, an event. Like that was the kind of argument that they tried to make. And the judge in the ruling was like, no, I mean, the spirit of this order was that the only reason Tom and Tamara would need to talk to each other if it were, was a legal matter and both their lawyers were present. Not that they could just, like, you know, uh, skirt the law and just, like, whisper, like, sweet sweet nothings to each other, okay? Like, there was a reason why they had this thing in place, and you're clearly violating the spirit of the bail conditions. Mm. And yet they don't... It, like, I imagine that a lot of their audience is just not going to watch any of the hearing stuff. And so we'll never know that video evidence existed that actually showed Tamara breaching her bail. Yeah. But like, all you have to do is read a single article to find out that what they're saying here is completely not true. And Sheila, if like either Sheila is lying about watching the court case the entire day, or she's lying about the way she's responding here, you know? And the, and the John Carpe <sighs> stuff is fantastic because like, you know what? It doesn't matter if the detective can like know who John Carpe is or not because no lawyer was present for the whispering. <laughs> it would be one thing. It was John John Carpe's in the back with like a, a listening to <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like they had a... They had the can actually right next to them. Uh, and then the string <laughs> bent over. <laughs> oh my god, they're such clouds. Just yeah. unbelievable cloudage. I should say, like, the other things that came out about this court case that they're not talking about is 
there was three things. One is uh, there was definite acknowledgement earlier on in the convoy that Pat King had a past that was bad and he said things that were not good, but they kept him on the early stages of the organizing because he was like motivating people to do the convoy thing and they didn't want to kick him out. And so they were like trying to suppress his more like chaotic behavior, but kept him along. Even though one of the thing that Ezra, especially last week when you weren't here, was trying to say that Pat King was nowhere uh, involved at all in the convoy, text messages have come out showing that he was directly involved and they kept him around even though they knew that he had like things like the Holocaust denial and white genocide and all this fun stuff. The other one is Ezra has been constantly... He used to do this a lot more back when the convoy was more like... Uh, present like around the February to March time period was that the gridlock in Ottawa Ezra would claim was caused by the police that it was the police and how they set up their bar barriers that gridlocked Ottawa there's now text messages between Tamara and other organizers where their explicit intent was to gridlock Ottawa they said so explicitly and it makes me wonder, because Ezra constantly used that language, gridlock, gridlock. Oh, it's the police that are gridlocking Ottawa, right? How much was he in the know about some of the planning? Because then the other thing, and this is, you know, super space brains here, but, like, since the beginning of this convoy, the, the moment it started, remember when they were leaving British Columbia and, and they sent uh, Mocha along with the convoy? From the start, they constantly highlighted uh tamara's metis sta status she's a young she's a a metis grandma she's a metis grandma and you can even hear it in like what uh sheila said in her clip here there's now been text messages they found where they purposefully highlighted her metis status to sort of like quell people like feed into their political correctness so that like when people called them racists they can point to the fact that she's metis <sighs> so <laughs> It makes me wonder how much Rebel was privy to their conversations. And, uh, yep. I don't have any definitive information, but, like, they did all the things that were planned in those text messages that are now coming out. But they are doing some, uh, some bad stuff here. Yep. Not to mention yep. the coot stuff, which also, like, never comes up in all this shit. But, like, they, you know... Rebel had it's, their hands in all of this shit, you know? It's always so weird hearing about Tom. <laughs> like, <laughs> Your bud Tom? Uh, family friend Tom. <laughs> you know, we used to go over to his house on weekends. And now he wants the governor general to overthrow the prime minister. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, too. It's like the whole what it, what it, they talk about, like, oh, tomorrow they sent all the police officers over there to, like, grab her. Like, they only do that to, like, murderers and stuff like this. And it's like, yeah, I, I kind of like why, like, do they need to do this? Although it's like if you need to get a someone who uh, defied their bail in Alberta to Ottawa where, like, the bail hearings need to happen. Like, there is going to be some sort of transport situation that needs to happen. 
considering that the law, I'm not, you know, ACAB and all that, but the law is not going to change overnight here. Like, this is just how it's going to process. But I like, like, okay, sure. But then at the same time, it's like what they were planning to do was shut down the city to try to get the prime minister to step down. Like, you know, it wasn't necessarily a coup. Like, January 6th was close to being a coup. But it was, like, coup-ish. What, like, what would you... <laughs> I don't know how to frame it. It was just... It was a light asking the monarchy to take over the government. Yeah. And so, yeah, okay. I'm glad they're taking it somewhat seriously, I guess. There you have it. We'll see more. I will say, spoiler alert, the uh, Justice of the Peace did deny her, uh, or, or did revoke her bail. She is now in prison for violating her bail conditions, which is quite obvious if you think about it. <laughs> How long is her sentence? Do we know? Uh, I think it's, she it just, just has like... to stay in prison till her trial for the mischief charges. Okay, cool. So, for example, Pat uh -huh. King has been in prison since March uh, because he was denied bail. And again, he's probably served more time in prison than he will get if he gets convicted. Yeah. So he'll probably have his trial and then get to leave because time spent or whatever. And so it could end up, by the time she ends up having her case, it could be the same thing for her. But they're going to hold her in prison because she violated her bail conditions and she can't be trusted. So, yeah. And hopefully the by the time on. her trial actually comes around, everybody will have forgotten about her. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, this is the thing with all this is like, yeah, our bail system's fucked. I think our criminal justice system is fucked. And all, all of that can all be true. And I don't care. Fucker. <laughs> yeah no like with um yeah like you know considering how backed up the legal system is i sure hope that you know their trial isn't for a while <laughs> oh so now to finish off the week we get uh the wednesday show july 6th and they were supposed to have an interview with a nurse named amy ham who's being investigated for constructing an I Love J.K. Rowling sign in, uh, or I guess it was not constructing, but like she bought a billboard that had that up there. And I guess she's being investigated uh, by her, her uh... I don't know much about it anyways, because they didn't end up doing the interview because that's the day that we learned that Patrick Brown uh, was was leaving the leadership race because he was kicked out. <laughs> Of the leadership race. And the only reason they scrapped their episode, for one, it's like kind of big news. And I know they scrapped it because the description of the episode is still as if they were interviewing Amy Hamm. Uh, and also, they begin this episode very weirdly. Initially, I just thought it was a weird mistake that they left in. But Ezra, you could tell he's like rushed and he's like, are we recording? <laughs> he did one of those like, are we recording now? And... Uh, they started to do their episode, and it was just the whole episode was just David Menzies and Ezra doing a victory lap because they were taking credit for Patrick Brown uh, being kicked out. We now know, like, it's still kind of up in the air that we're not, like, fully sure. There has been a woman who came forward claiming that she was the source that told the Conservative Party of the wrongdoing, and her claim is that she was being paid by a private company, not from the campaign, and that this was some kind of violation, and she felt uncomfortable with it and came forward. 
if that's the case, because here's the thing is we, there's no confirmations. The, the CPC and how they're running their elections, they have not verified that what this woman is saying is true, and neither has the Patrick Brown uh, campaign. So we're in this uh, stage where like everyone's lawyering up and there's going to be some sort of battle, and we still don't know all the facts. But what Ezra and Menzies are claiming is that they were the ones who caused it because they did this undercover investigation and found out that some of the people working for Patrick Brown's campaign were also like staff employees for the city of Brampton who worked for city council. Now, there could be violations there as well, but we don't know whether or not that was also part of the reason why the CPC kicked them out. So they're taking a kind of preemptive victory lap, I think, here. And so there was nothing really to clip out of this episode other than it's just David Menzies and Ezra patting each other on the back, being like, aren't we so good? We, like, broke the story, and now he's being kicked out of the race. Mm-hmm. And that was the July 6th episode. July 7th, uh, Ezra predicts that uh, Tamara is going to lose her bail, which she inevitably uh, did. Her bail was revoked. And he claims it's because the justice of the peace is uh, a liberal plant and (laughs) a bunch of conspiracy shit. But it's like, no, there was video evidence, you idiot. (laughs) It's pretty pretty straightforward. Uh, He also, you know, talks about how, like, it's, it's tyrannical and that he tries to whip up his base that, like, they're coming for us next. And it's like, look at them. They're targeting a Métis woman grandmother while Omar Cotter gets to roam free and fuck off is all I have to say to that. So yeah, the interview segment is a bit more interesting. There is, I guess a Dutch farm protest happening right now. I wasn't aware of it. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. Now what the protest involves is I guess it was a little bit hard to follow, but I think what happened was these farms want to expand and there's a government law in place that was upheld by the courts that is blocking the construction of these farms because it's going to add to the nitrogen pollution that's occurring in the Netherlands. And the nitrogen, the nitrogen pollution is leading to things like insect die-offs and other things, which also help towards the farming and stuff like this. And so they're limiting the growth of these farms because they're worried about further nitrogen pollution. And so the farms are protesting now i can't tell like part of the interview was saying that like most of the the people in the netherlands are in support of the farmers but i didn't get that impression from reading a lot of the articles but i also don't have feet on the ground to know that the popular support is behind the farmers because it seems to me like this is like you know they're trying to protest like environmental laws are bad and i don't know if that goes well with the rest of uh the Dutch population. <laughs> so, I, but I'm not from the Netherlands, so I'm not going to speculate in what the like the the popular sentiment is there. But anyways, that's what's going yeah. on. And Ezra has someone on named. Uh, oh God, I'm going to like destroy this name. Uh, <laughs> e- Eva Vlardingerbrook, and <laughs> she's here. Because she's going to talk about the protest. And they begin by talking about how this is just like the leftists want to demonize carbon. Now they're coming after nitrogen, even though nitrogen is perfectly natural and not harmful at all. 
Uh, but I already told you why it is harmful. So, stupid argument. But then they get into it, okay? So, I already explained what happened. Or what is happening. But, Eva wants to let you know what's really happening, okay? And what's interesting to know is that the Dutch minister who has pushed this nitrogen law has a brother-in-law who is the owner of the Dutch online supermarket called Picnic. Guess who invested $600 million in Picnic last year? Right, Bill Gates, the man who wants you to oh. eat fake meat. And, you know, that's not just uh, a conspiracy theory. I know, for example, that uh, the head of... Uh, the Netherlands. Am I pronouncing his name right? Rut. Rut. How do you name? How do you pronounce the name of the the leader of uh, the Netherlands? He's a he's a serious member of the World Economic Forum too. Who's what's his name? Mark Rutte. Yes, Rutte. Mark Rutte is very very deeply involved in the World Economic Forum. And well, it's obvious that this law is a product again of these globalist institutions, yeah. because this needs to happen before 2030. Rings a bell, right? Agenda 2030, the yeah. Great Reset. World Economic Forum. It's very clear that this is a made-up crisis, which we've seen before with these organizations. That's the way they ha handle, that's the way they operate these things. They say, we have a crisis, and you are the ones that are going to have to solve this by giving up all of your rights. Yeah. So that's what's happening here. They're taking away these farmers' land. They're taking away property because they see a future for us in which we're, we're completely dependent on the state. You eat bugs. <laughs> and well, they own your land. You you know they you own nothing, and you'll be happy is what they say to you. But these farmers are not happy, and I'm so proud that they're fighting this. <laughs> you'll eat bugs. <laughs> it's always the bugs. You're gonna eat bugs, and you'll own nothing and be happy. I hate the dominance of the English language. Everything would be so much better if we had a harder time understanding each other. <laughs> I think about how tenuous the link at the beginning was. Do you remember? It was the president's brother-in-law owns a grocery store chain in which Bill Gates has put money into. <laughs> Therefore, they're trying to stop the farmers. Don't you get it? <laughs> it's all connected, Jody. And that's it's why they connected. want you to eat bugs and fake meat. I just... It's all the same everywhere. They're, you know, they're, they're not just sending McDonald's to every country. They're sending like World Economic Forum conspiracy theories to every country. So, thanks, thanks, America. Thanks, you've done it. I mean, it's us too. Let's be real. I wonder who popularized the "oh nothing be happy" thing, because I haven't <sighs> really heard anybody else besides Ezra say it until it exploded. Yeah, I mean, it, it could have been a thing that just, like, everyone jumped on it, like, all at once. Like, it was a Twitter phenomenon. But, like, I did hear it from Ezra first as well. But I don't think he was the originator. But uh, it could have been that it was, like, a grassroots thing in terms of, like, the, you know, the right-wing base sort of, like, started trending it on Twitter. And then all the talking heads, your Shapiro, your Tucker, your Ezra, all started talking about it. Yeah. So then Ezra wants to make a historical comparison about the Dutch situation. So I'm going to ask you, Vienna, what do you think, given everything that we've just talked about, and even given how they've described it, what historical event would you compare this to? Um, is it going to be the 
the famine in Ukraine in the 30s, the Holodomor. Stalin declared war on farmers in Ukraine about 90 years ago, and it was called the Holodomor. It was like a man-made famine. Millions died. The idea of attacking farmers and food and doing it deliberately, destroying and reducing food production is so unhuman and dangerous. It's shocking to me. Fuck yeah. <laughs> the whole of the board. <laughs> you were right, though. You got it. Congratulations. It's a I like, but it's not even a famine yet. That's I know. <laughs> like you know, not to get into Holodomor and all the things that everyone argues about it and all that fun stuff, but like, there is nothing in like the Dutch government is like doesn't have a purposeful plan to like <laughs> starve people. Famine hasn't even happened yet. It's they're just like. We don't want these farms to expand and You're destroy. You're being too them. generous by adding yet. Well, I... <laughs> There's not going to be a famine. <laughs> like... No, they just start rounding up all the farmers. And, <laughs> and then they close their borders and <laughs> don't allow food importation. Because it's just like Stalin. fucking Northern Europe. So they're importing most of their food from like... Africa, the Middle East, and Eastern Europe, anyways. Oh, like idiots. I just like I, I'm a, yeah. I love that you got it though. I, <laughs> I would never have guessed. I would have never figured it out. But yes, it's the Holodomor. So we get to July eighth, and David Menzies is the guest host, and Menzies is mad about how on Canada Day. People were yelled at by the police. And he's like, look at how the police treat these people. Meanwhile, the Muslim Association of Canada, which gets money from the Canadian government, they had a homophobe speak at one of their events. Uh, and a misogynist, apparently, as well. And the information where David Menzies got this from is from Terry Glavin, wrote an article in the National Post. Now... Sadly, uh, while researching for this episode, the National Post article would not load for me. It kept on saying internal uh, server error, and so I could not access the article to know exactly what it said. But my, you probably agree with me, but my takeaway is like, uh, there's probably homophobic speakers at this event. Doesn't shock me, but that it's like, Jordan Peterson is allowed to fucking speak at places. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, Amazing to me for them to just like get hyper fixated on like Muslims uh, that are, say, holding views that I personally also don't like. But then they don't police their own side in holding the same fucking views. Yeah, it's a really interesting one considering like how much they focused on stuff like conversion therapy and like, you know, interviewing homophobic pastors and like that kind of stuff recently too. And yeah. It's like, hmm. I don't know if you're in the place to be critiquing this. Yep. But, I mean, it is what it is, you know? And, like, it, it annoys me, like... Because, like, this this has happened a lot frequently, especially while you've been gone, which is, like, look at how our trucker friends are being treated when Muslims are doing bad things or something. Like, it's just Muslim is always the go-to 
to to point the hate towards uh and it's just like 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 even in this example or the omar cotter example earlier uh, in the week it's like what's why what was the point in even bringing this up other than to be muslim bad you know yep that's it yep it's just gross listen canada hasn't had a mass killing of muslims in more than a year now so (laughs) they've got to inspire another one like Uh, that's fucking it right like yep uh, even like you know in the anglosphere there hasn't been one in a little bit i'm actually kind of shocked now that i think about it because there was there was an attack recently in i think it was norway by by uh i think it was a muslim and was that the one on the pride i don't know i think so where that dude was from at least the original reporting was that it was a Muslim. If things have changed and I'm just speaking out of my ass, then I feel bad. But if that, either way, if I had heard about those earlier ramblings, they would just run with it. It's not like the truth has stopped Ezra before. <laughs> but I'm surprised they didn't bring that up. But I'm I'm glad they haven't. Uh, yeah, they're saying Islamist. Yeah, so, you know. I'm glad they didn't bring it up. I guess they got too tomorrow centric. But yeah, so <laughs> the interview segment. So that's that's whole that's all of Menzi's hosting. Then the interview segment is with Ezra Levant. He's the <laughs> he's the guest on his own show. What is happening? And they're on to talk about Patrick Brown again. And like, cool. <laughs> and it's the same stuff. I guess the only added addition here about the Patrick Brown coverage was their like uh, they wish that Patrick Brown was not kicked out, but that the voters within the Conservative Party could have like vo- not voted for him, and they would have been better with that outcome, even though they're still bragging that it was their reporting that got him kicked out. So, but you do get this interesting tidbit. So, in the coverage of Patrick Brown, Ezra wants to say, you know what, Menzies, you're really great. And you're really great because you you go after the conservatives just like we go after liberals. We hold we hold everyone accountable. And so uh, let's see how that goes. It's important, and let me close on this. It's important that conservatives have this kind of hygiene in their own movement. And yes. one of the things I'm most proud of of Rebel News, and frankly of you, David, and I don't think I say it enough, is that you in particular are not afraid to hold conservatives to account, whereas there are some conservative journalists who would never try, like like the disgraced Brian Lilly um, mm-hmm. of the Toronto Sun, who claims to be a conservative but would never say anything critical of Doug Ford. Now, that's partly because his mistress is Doug Ford's communications <laughs> assistant, but it's, but it's also because he sucks up to power. And on the left, we see that a lot. We see the Toronto Star, the CBC, who are very good at holding conservatives to account, put on kids' gloves, when dealing with liberal politicians, especially Trudeau. Now, again, I wanted to play that because longtime listeners to the show will know Brian Lilly was the co-founder of Rebel News. <laughs> and yet they never talked. So he left back when Faith Goldie, you know, went on the neo-Nazi podcast and uh, became a liability. And that's when the conservative party pulled out of Rebel News. 
along with Brian Lilly leaving Rebel News because he didn't want to be associated with all of this. Even though Brian Lilly was present during all of it, he was present when Faith Goldie made the Great Replacement video on Rebel. Didn't have a problem with that, but left once, like, the heat uh, came in, right? And he left claiming, like, he was joining, I think it was Andrew Shear's campaign team at the time. So it's mm. not like... It's not like he left claiming he was leaving because of the Faith Goldie thing. It just happened to coincide with that perfectly. And yet now, and it's only been like, what was it like? There was another incident, I think, a month ago where they complained about Brian Lilly as well. But it was only Menzies. And this is the first time Ezra's saying the disgraced Brian Lilly. And yet again, neither David Menzies or him mentioned the fact that he was the co-founder of Rebel News. But that's because he's disgraced, Jody. <laughs> he didn't get Menzies that show with Doug Ford. <laughs> what good is he to them? Oh my god. I know. They're just they are they they are hurt by the fact that he left them. They left them he left them at their time of need when everyone else abandoned them and he just left. And they're just so upset about it. They don't let their friend they want their friend back. And now he's just, he's sleeping with Doug Ford's press secretary. <laughs> yeah, they just want their friend <laughs> I wonder how much it is, like, they can attack him because he wasn't as publicly a, a, a like, face of Rebel News in the same way that, like, Gavin McGinnis or Lauren Southern or Faith Goldie or, like, all of these other people were. Like, they were yeah. all Rebel, right? Yeah, but they, he had... He had on-camera appearances for Rebel News stuff. He, he just, he's not charismatic and therefore didn't have as, a, yeah. as big a pull, you know? No, but, like, what I mean is, like, you know, one, they probably can't really get anything out of him anymore. And, like, he's the only one that they can kind of get away with attacking without some sort of blowback on them as well. So it's like, you know, all of their anger at being abandoned by all of their star presenters is just focused into Brian Lilly. I do wonder, though, is there a limit to that? Because Brian Lilly has got to know where some of the skeletons are buried. You know, if there are skeletons to be buried, okay, let's... <laughs> I bet that's just a mutually assured destruction thing, though. But you like... know what I mean? So it's like how... I mean, true, true. Brian Lilly might have his hands dirty, too, which means exposing... Rebel stuff would be exposing himself. But there probably is ways he could try to navigate that. And it like there's also like a threshold where it like depends how aggressive they start pushing at Brian Lilly before he'll like snipe back or something, you know. If he does, I mean, you know, who knows. They've only they've only mentioned him at least two times, this one and another time that I remember. I think those have been the only times they've mentioned him. Uh so, you know, we'll see. Probably nothing will come we, of this, but it is interesting. We shall see. And with that, uh, Ezra was away and came back to the guest host spot because he was at the Calgary Stampede. So that's also why his audio quality was crappy. He was calling David on the phone from the Stampede. So, yeehaw. Yeehaw.
Okay, so last week I guess we um, said give uh, Jeremy Appel money to go to the Camp- Conservative Party Stampede Barbecue in Calgary, and uh, our boy did it. Um, and he also has now released an article about it on his substack, The Appel Orchard. Uh, and I would just really love to highlight the photo that he has with Jason Kenney as the um, <laughs> as the header image for this article. It is an excellent photo. Um, Jeremy looks so pleased. So does Jason <laughs> Kenney. Everybody looks so enthused to be in this photo. <laughs> and the caption is hanging out with the biggest loser alive. <laughs> um. I'll be honest, I haven't read the article. I just saw the image and I was like, oh, we got to share this. That was good. I was following his tweets the whole time he was there. I yeah. think he's still there because it's not over. Uh, I guess it's a, a week-long event because I saw him all still posting on Twitter stuff he's doing at Stampede. So, but uh, yes, uh, wow. I'm glad Jeremy was able to go and I look forward to, to seeing some more stuff that, that come from it. So, so uh, yeah. And uh, welcome back, Vienno. Welcome back. Oh yeah, that too. Hello. I have returned. <laughs> we uh, we will have more coming up. I'm looking forward. I'm going to be going camping, so uh, you will not find me anywhere for an entire week. But we will have... The way my, my camping has landed, it's right at the sweet spot where I'll have enough time to do uh, the episode for next week. So we're not going to miss an episode, but I will be uh, gone, likely, from social media and other stuff, so. But on that note, if you support and enjoy what you've heard so far, please give us a few bucks over at patreon.com slash Imperial News. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News of the Z. We have a Discord set up. We do Twitch streams. Uh, well, we, I've got a fly in my face as well. Uh, the Twitch streams have been on pause for a while. I'm still assessing when I'm going to bring that back, but I will eventually. So patience. Uh we have a Discord set up. I already mentioned that. You can find us uh, the, on YouTube. We have some videos posted there. Uh, and you can find all those links in the show notes of this episode. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at uh, masontickle.com. Thank you for listening. And Omar Cotter analogies. You canceled. Finally. Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields.